Let's all stand, page 381. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. that you'll ever hear or read says this arm of flesh will fail you you dare not trust your own i've let myself down so many times down through this christian walk but i'm glad greater is he that's in me and he john dale that's in the world can i get a witness right there thank god for the power of of jesus christ living in us Let's go to the Lord in prayer. It's good to have Brother Scott Tanner and Miss Angela in with us this morning. Brother Scott's going to be preaching for us in just a moment. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Clay, you open us this morning. You may be seated, page 329. Standing on the promises of Christ, my King, the eternal legislate his praises ring. For in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Savior, stand here, stand here. 
promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Without instructions that impair ourselves. I believe in the word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. I cannot fall Listen every moment to the Spirit's call Listen in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Page 317. <coughs> I've left the old past, I travel so long, I've had me redeemed and free. Of Jesus the Lord, I sing the of sin, no more I desire, no good in them now I see, the Spirit has set my being on fire, his blood lights away for me, his blood lights away, I travel Victory. I said this 
277. page 269 <laughs> what a wonderful change in my life Says Jesus came 
this morning. Let me make go over some announcements with you just to keep them fresh in our hearts. This coming Wednesday, we'll, we will not be having our uh, Miss Sue's Kitchen over there, and uh, we will not be having the Crusaders for Christ. Is that right, Brother Mike? Okay, but we will be having regular service this coming Wednesday night here in the auditorium at 7 o'clock. So remember that for this, this coming week. Also, uh, on April the 8th, the Happy Pilgrims have a trip planned to go to see the, uh, the Easter Live experience at Free Chapel. So the bus will be leaving here at 11 o'clock. If you are interested in going to that, be here at 11 this coming Saturday, April the 9th, which is Easter Day. Now, here's the order of service. We will be having an Easter sunrise service at, at 7 o'clock that morning. Uh, Dr. Brother Chris Cornett's going to be in preaching for us at sunrise service. And then right after that, Brother Gene has got, I can, I can just feel it every time I get around him, he's got a big meal planned. I can just imagine a, a, a big old T-bone steak about an inch thick to go along with my eggs and grits and all that stuff. But now we will be having breakfast over in the fellowship hall, thanks to Brother Gene and, and uh Brady, and really thanks to the Lord. God has been good to us at this church. And so we, after the sunrise service, fellowship, breakfast over in the fellowship hall, and then morning service at 945 Sunday school, 1045 morning service, and we will not be having evening service on Easter day, so remember all of that. And uh, if you get kind of... Uh, 
misunderstand some of the order of service right over here in this little box next to our announcements. Ms. Kim has so graciously outlined the order of service for this coming Sunday on Easter, so you can keep up with it. We appreciate all the prayers that you'll pray for us. It's a song about salvation's progression in our lives. I hope you hope you like it. In the first place, sin met grace was a garden fair. Lord was there Grace and sorrow met Sin's great debt Adam where art thou It's different now Grace met their sin Love took them in God said to them it's different now in the next place sin met grace on a rugged tree meant for you and me grace and sorrow met sin's great debt Jesus paid the price, became the sacrifice. Grace made man sin, and love took a sin. The blood flowed from him, and it's different now. In my place where sin met grace At an altar there Jesus heard my prayer Faith and sorrow met sin's regret And I humbly bowed And oh, it's different now Grace met my sin different now in the final place just saved by grace it's heaven fair oh and the Lord is there my race is through sin is too so I humbly bow Oh, it's different now Grace met my sin And love took me in 
look on him And it's different now It's different now When you get saved by God's grace your life will be different. It'll be totally different. There's a, there's a different kind of grace being perpetrated out there in the world today by worldly preachers, false preachers, that you can just stay the way you are and God accepts you just like that and that's the end of it. He will accept you just like you are, but He's not content leaving you that way. He's going to leave you a lot better in your life after you meet his grace. Amen. The Bible says that he, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Every day I wake up, I wake up to a new day in Jesus Christ. All because grace met my sin one day. Amen. It is good to have Brother Scott Tanner and his dear wife with us this morning. Some of y'all may not realize this, but years ago, uh, Brother Scott was my associate here, and a good associate, and and uh, just a part of this church, just a part of this, the the soul of this church, and and I appreciate Brother Scott and what he means to my life. We bump into each other long and long, and last Sunday, last weekend, I bumped into Brother Scott again, and the Lord put it on my heart to have him in, and uh, Brother Scott Tanner is going to be preaching for us this morning. I was thinking this morning, um, me and my wife, my family, um, we consider this our home church. And I'm, I will say this, I think everybody needs a home church. Regardless of where God has you serving, it's good to have a home church. And I feel that way about this place, and I pull up on the parking lot, and it just, uh, God's in this place. And I'm thankful I'm thankful for the years that God allowed me and my family to spend here. Uh, my son got saved here, Ben got saved here, and got uh, baptized here in this church. And uh, this place just means a lot to me and my family, and we're thankful. And I'm grateful anytime I have an opportunity to come back to this place. And uh, I'm glad God has a place for us here, and He's got a place for us over there. Amen. So good to be saved. Glad to be with you this morning. And I definitely want to be obedient to the Lord today, so you pray for us. I have no plan B, so if plan A don't work, we're just, uh, we'll be done shortly, amen? So, um, as a preacher, sometimes you like to have something to fall back on. And uh, there ain't nothing there today, amen? So well, this is what we got. So, uh, But I just do want to be obedient to the Lord. I, as I was praying and asking the Lord what He'd have us to, to do, it's a... Uh, Kind of an unusual message for Sunday morning. Um, the Lord's given me an opportunity at Fairfield Baptist Church to teach a, an adult Sunday school class, um, 18 to 50 years old. And um, we've been going through some things in there and just uh, doing some things. And I've been studying on 
just the fundamentals of the faith and how we as Baptists, we taught sometimes we, we lift up the title of being an independent fundamental Baptist. And I got to thinking about that and and I know a lot of those guys they they worship that fundamental part more than they do the God of that fundamental part. And I got to thinking along those lines and I, I got thinking what would be better than a, a fundamental Baptist would be a a biblical Baptist. A biblical Baptist. And 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 I mean, we've got the, the true word of God and, uh, you know, we, we should be biblical in our Christianity. Um, we've got the truth. And if we've got the truth, and, and you hear this phrase a lot. I do. I hear it a lot. A lot of people are using it nowadays. Uh, I have a biblical worldview. Y'all hear that much? I hear that. Biblical worldview. And, and there's nothing wrong with having a biblical worldview. If you have a biblical worldview... Uh, the things that are happening in our world will not be that surprising unto you if you have a biblical worldview. Because you know the Bible. And if you've read the Bible, the Bible lets us know these things are going to come to pass. And uh, as Brother Mike Bagwell said, if there's, a, if there's an end, there's got to be a beginning to that end. And we may just be there. But as we look at the world through a, a biblical view... Uh, it also is uh, determined upon the, the Bible that we get our biblical view from that will help us uh, be able to understand what's going on in the world that we live in. Now, if we have a watered-down Bible, we're going to have a watered-down biblical view. I mean, and that's just it. And there's many different um, versions of Bibles that people read and study out of. And, and it does uh, affect their biblical view of the world. And, and that's where we're living at today. Um, but if you have the true word of God and, and you study that and you read that and you meditate upon that, your biblical view, I believe, will be in line with what God would have it to be in this world. And, and things should not uh, shock and awe us as much as uh, they do because we are expecting the end to come at some point. We're expecting to be in heaven one day, right? We're expecting the rapture to take place. We're expecting... The Lord to show back up and uh, and call us home, and I mean that's the that's the ultimate goal of what we got into when we got saved by the grace of God. That's a good biblical view. Today, the Lord being my helper, helper, I want to preach on the motive of a biblical Christian. The motive of a biblical Christian. Turn with us today in Second Corinthians, chapter number five. You pray for us. I hadn't even seen what time I got up here, so I need to look at that. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 10. No doubt a familiar portion of Scripture to you uh, that has read the Bible here today, and it shouldn't be any shocking surprise here. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth here, and uh, they were kind of considered a carnal church this for lack of a better term. And uh, so here we have here, the church here is, um, has been dealing with some things in chapter 1 and has got down to chapter number 5. And, and if you have a Schofield Bible at the top of that chapter there, chapter 5, it says, Why death itself has no terrors for the servant of the Lord. We shouldn't, we shouldn't um, dread death. Now, 
I'm not looking forward to the dying process. As my a preacher friend of mine used to say, he said, I'm not afraid of dying. He said, I'm just afraid of the pain associated with it. Amen. Because <laughs> we've never done it, so we don't know. But I didn't come to preach on death, amen. We uh, come to be preaching on the motive of a biblical Christian. The Bible says, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why there? That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Father, I pray you bless the reading of your word. Help us here in this time that you've given us together, I pray, Lord, that you'd just help us to take your word. And I pray, God, you'd help us just to rightly divide it this morning to these uh, folks that are sitting in this building. And I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that it would, it would challenge us today, Lord, and it would help us to uh, draw closer to you. And, uh, Lord, if uh, we need some things dealt with in our hearts and lives, we sure pray that you, Spirit of God, would... Work on us and give us that which we need to be exactly where we need to be with you. And we'll thank you. If there's one here not saved today, our greatest prayer for them is that they would repent and accept Christ as our Savior before it's everlasting too late. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Motive of a biblical Christian. Now, when we read verse number 10, we're, we're not going to the judgment seat of Christ to be... Um, judged for our sins they were judged on calvary amen so uh we're just going to be giving an account for why we did what we did and how we did it and the motivation behind uh what we did what we did and when I, when I thought about the the motive of a biblical christian what what motivates you and i to be a, a biblical christian what motivates you and i to want to uh do anything for the lord what motivates you and i to want to even serve god and and I think if anything should, verse 10 should, knowing that, that we're going to stand before him one day and, he, and we're going to give an account for everything uh, that's happened from the moment that, that we received him as our Savior until the time that we stand before him. And we'll give an account for those things that we've done and why we've done them and how that we've done them. So what is it today that, uh, just a few questions as we get started by way of introduction here, what, what is it today that motivates us to stand for what we believe what motivates us to stand for what we believe what drives this position down deep in our heart what gives us the drive to to not only stand but to to go forward in those things which we believe think about this how easy it is for our pride and our ego to get in the way of the true teaching of the word of god sometimes we'll have this mentality well I really don't care what the Bible says. This is what I believe. Now, if we've got anything to stand on that's truth, it is the Word of God today. And it really don't matter what we believe. It's what the Bible says that makes all the difference in the world. Amen? And we see that in the Word of God. How detrimental it would be uh, for the next generation that's coming up behind us of Christianity to be more influenced by our pride than the truth in which we believe. I think that's where there are a lot of people are today is right there. They're not thinking but much about what the next generation is going to have. Are we going to leave them enough truth for them to carry this thing on down the road if the Lord doesn't come back? Something to think about. 
as we get older, y'all get older, and we get older, what's it going to be in 15 years, 20 years? See, there are those, I'm afraid, that are raising issues or raising causes, if you will, not because of their commitment to the truth, but simply because they desire to create an issue or a following in their own ministry. Now, the ministry is not about gaining a following. The ministry is about getting people saved and getting those people to heaven and getting them to serve the Lord along the way so that when they stand before the Lord, they can hear Him say, Well done, our good and faithful servant. It's not about, and there's some people that will create teachings, they, they, they turn into doctrines, and great groves of people will follow them based upon a lie. We're talking about being a biblical Christian today, so it's hard to be a biblical Christian apart from the truths and the teachings of God's Word here today. See, the folks that do that, their motivations are nothing more than wood, hay, and stubble, and and at the judgment seat of Christ, they're going to burn up and they're going to get no reward for that. And they're getting nothing for that. See, the motivation of a Bible-believing uh, Christian is, is important for us to understand. Our primary motivations uh, should always come from Scripture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We've heard that word convictions over many, many years of being saved. What is a conviction? Well, I remember conviction when I got saved. Uh, I didn't like conviction. Amen. It was the point that the, the Holy Spirit showed up in my life and, and showed me what I was, showed me where I was going and, and let me know if I didn't get saved, I was doomed to hell forever and separated from Christ forever. That was not pleasant. But we hear a lot about convictions. Oh, Lord, convicted me about that. Well, what does the Bible say about that conviction? A lot of things are preferences, things we choose to do, but uh, we, we should take the Word of God and, and allow it to be our primary motivations for everything that we do. And you think about this, I'll, th I'll turn this towards me so no, none of y'all get offended today, uh, that if I really am honest with myself, I'm prideful and I have a self-centered spirit. That's just me. Y'all know me, y'all probably know that. I didn't have to tell y'all that, amen. Some of y'all are nodding. I don't know if you're agreeing with me or saying that about yourself. Amen. It's okay. And we're just that way. And you think about it this way. Every Christian, every saved person in this building is tempted to yield to their flesh on a daily basis. We're, the Bible tells us that. The Bible plainly tells us that that's going to be part of our life. From the time that we get saved by the grace of God until the time that we leave this world, Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. This flesh is wicked, ain't saved, and it wants what it wants. That's where the pride is. That's where the self-centeredness is. And we have to deal with that every day. And they're tempted. Say, so, well, man... Where are we at today? We think about that way. But we should all have this prayer in our heart on a daily basis that, that God would give us and make us a mature biblical Christian and help us just be committed to the truth of the Word of God.
A lot of things we're committed to in life, but we should be committed to the truth of the Word of God. I want to give you three things today I believe are a very important motive in the life of a biblical Christian. And the first one is simply this, to please the Savior. My number one job as being saved as a child of God today is as much as uh, we like to, I love to please Brother John and I've got friends in here and Brother Terry, I don't know that I ever pleased Brother Terry, so I don't know why I try, but uh, Brother Warren and Brother Ron, you know, just some folks in here, Brother Jeff, I mean, can you please those guys? Probably not. I mean. But we like to try to please the brethren is what I'm trying to say. We like to try. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, 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 the only thing that the only person that we have to please is the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to please him. Why? Because he bought us and we, we belong to him today and, and we're not our own. And I'm thankful that, that he bought us with that price of his precious blood and, and we belong to him today. Therefore, uh, we should desire to want to please him for the very fact that he bought us from the slave market of sin and, and now he's given us a much better life than we had before. And yes, it's different now because he did change our life and, and we should desire to want to just please him. But I found out this much in life, we're either pleasing the Savior or we're grieving him. There's really no middle ground there. We're either pleasing him or grieving him. And when it comes to that very fact, we have to ask ourselves the question, uh, if I'm not being pleasing unto Christ, how it, and when am I not being pleasing to the Savior? See, Paul, in his in the Bible, he encourages Christians not to grieve the Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30, he said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. What does it mean uh, to grieve uh, the Holy Spirit? To grieve simply means to sadden, to bring a heaviness uh, even sorrow that will lead to a quenching of that spirit. So just by grieving the spirit of God, I'm not being pleasing unto him. And if I'm grieving him, that will lead to something that's called uh, quenching, which in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, uh, Paul says, he warns us, he said, quench not the spirit. You know what that word quench means? It means to... To extinguish or cause to go out. See, we can grieve the Spirit of God for so long and it turns into quenching that Spirit and then we'll get to a place where the Spirit seems to be doing no work in our life. That's what it is to not please the Savior today. See, so... Knowing that, you've got some truth today about the Bible. And, and the Bible says that if we do that, we're not pleasing unto the Savior. Uh, so we're grieving Him. So if that be the case, uh, how do we get to the place where we do please Him? Think about this. Every time we see something in the Bible, there's three times that you see that phrase, please Him, in the Bible. All three times it has to do with the will. With our will. We please Him by allowing our will to mesh together with His will. 
The Bible says this in in John chapter number 8 and verse number 29. uh, Jesus speaking here and he sent, and he said, he that sent me is with me. He's talking about God the Father is with him. And the Father hath not left me alone. He said, he's with me even now. And he said, for I do always those things that please him. Now you think about that today. We're saved by the grace of God. The Spirit of God's on the inside of us. He's here with us now. He's always with us. He'll always be with us. And we have to ask ourselves the question, everything that I do, is it pleasing unto Him? See, the will of Christ while He was on this earth was to what? Do the will of the Father. And he's pleasing. And so we see, we see that in, in John that everything that Christ did was motivated by a sovereign principle. And this is the principle. He was there to, and here to please the Father. You know what we're here for after we're saved? One thing. Please the Father. That's all he wants. That's all. You say, what about all that? Hey, if you please the Father, everything else will fall in line. Everything else will be exactly what it needs to be. Everything else will be, uh, uh, it'll be, you'll be in God's will. If you're pleasing the Father, you won't have to question that, worry about that, wring your hands and say, oh, I don't know if I'm in the, if you're pleasing under the Father, I promise you, you'll be in His will. It's, you're never out of God's will when you're pleasing the Father. Amen. That's what Jesus was telling. See, there never was a time when Christ did not please the Father. And every... Now think about this. this. That word, please Him, it has an emotional effect to it. Every act that Christ ever did overjoyed the Father. You remember when He got baptized there on the River Jordan? And that dove flew down? And that voice came from heaven, what did it say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm what? Well pleased. Amen. You'll, you'll never go wrong pleasing the Father. You'll never go wrong pleasing the Savior and His desire for you and I is that. Second Timothy chapter 2 is another place that's mentioned. Verse 3 and 4. Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. See, when God saved you and I, He saved us not to be entangled with the... The things of this life. He didn't, he didn't uh, save us to, he didn't free us to get us entangled again. Does that make sense? He didn't, he didn't forgive us from being in the bondage of sin to place us in a, in a life that would, would entangle us and put us back into more bondage. But he, he saved us. He made us free. And by him making us free, he wants us to realize that he done that because why? Because he just simply wants us to please him because He chose us to be saved. Pretty simple. Well, it wasn't for me. Sometimes we, it's like we knock our head against the wall because, but we know that, hey, if I please him, I'm in his will. If I please him, he's happy. So uh, here in the third place is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, it says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. So, without faith, what does that mean? Without faith, without, without being saved, number one. 
it's impossible to please him. There's many people in the world today that are trying to please God by doing this, that, and other, and by not doing this, that, and other to please God, and they're not pleasing God. Why? Because they have no faith, Brother Warren. They have no faith. What does that mean? They've not been saved. And once we get saved and we have that faith, then uh, we can please God. But then after we get saved by the grace of God, if our faith is not in the right person, even after we get saved by the grace of God, uh, we can't be pleasing to Him in the things that we are supposed to be doing by faith uh, for the glory of God. See, God saved us. Why? To please Him. And if we're not trying to please Him, uh, we do that by faith. And if we're not... By faith pleasing Him, we can't do things that glorify and magnify His name. When we stand before the judge seat of Christ, we'll stand there with nothing. Nothing. So, without faith, it's impossible. So what I'm trying to say is, without faith, it's impossible to please the Savior. We see also that as we try to please the Savior, it comes down to the Word of God and how we handle the Word of God, how we read it and how we, how we consume the Word of God. We should rightly divide that Word and we should never say or do anything that would be unpleasing to the Savior while handling the Word of God. Never. And I think about that, and can I use the S word right here? Don't get nervous. I've said some stupid things from the pulpit. Y'all with me? That Brother Terry, I wish I could go back and take those things back. But I think it's part of the growing process. You know how kids sometimes just say things and... You moms run and try to grab their mouth and push them words back in there before it comes out. I'm sure God was that way with me a lot. But sometimes we say things that really hurt people trying to find the truth when it comes to the things of God. But we should be able to rightly divide in 2 Timothy 2. 15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Why is that so important? We want to be sure if we're telling somebody how to get to heaven, we're giving them the truth. And if we want to tell somebody that's saved and, and they've got out in sin, and, and if we're trying to help them to get right with God, we want to be sure that we're telling them the truth of how to get there. Not just what we think or our opinion is. The truth, rightly dividing. So, for me to be a biblical Christian, I've got to please the Savior. Secondly, for me to be a biblical Christian, I have to earnestly contend for the faith. What is that? What, is, what does that mean? It means to strive, to use earnest efforts to obtain, or to defend, and or to preserve. Contend for the faith. See, as biblical Christians not only believe certain things, uh, but will also stand up and speak against those who deny biblical things. 
Now, sometimes we are reluctant to stand up when somebody is telling you it wrong. But that's why we have the Word of God. That's why we have the truth. And if somebody's not telling the truth when they're trying to help somebody along in the faith, we, and we're there, we should stand up. But not only stand up, we should speak up. And you know what's so aggravating? I don't know if it's ever happened to y'all. You'll be talking to somebody about the Lord and, and they're lost and, and you're trying to give them some scripture to what the Bible says, some truth. And somebody else will step up in that conversation and just start spewing a bunch of philosophy. And you know what that makes me want to do? Well, I'm not going to tell you, but it aggravates me to no end. Because you're trying to help this person to get saved and to hear somebody comes up uh, and they start spewing all this other stuff and getting you sidetracked and all of these different things. And all you're trying to do is just help somebody find the Lord. And give them the truth of the word of God. And that's why it's so important for you and I uh, to be able to speak up. But we, we don't have to do it in a hateful and, a, and, and be a jerk about it. I've done that. And you probably have too. Some of you shaking your head. We don't have to be that way. But we should be able to. Contend for the faith. Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil and having done all to stand. See, we're going to have to withstand some stuff in the world that we live in. But we also are going to have to stand for some, the, some things that we believe is truth in the word of God. And, and the very fact that you and I should defend the faith, we all, uh, the strength you can muster both by true doctrine and a good example of your life. Let your life show forth the truth that you really do believe down deep in your heart. Our life is a, an example, a testimony, an open book to this world. And I'm going to tell you something. There's people reading you every day. Every day, they're reading the pages of your life. And we need to ask God to help us to be the example of the truth that we proclaim. The very fact that we believe that we are a biblical Christian and the truth that we proclaim uh, shows forth out of our life on a daily basis. We need help in that area to be that. So defending the faith, defending the faith is a characteristic, a key one, I would say, of a biblical Christian. Jude put it like this. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. See, Jude was going to write about salvation. He was going to write a glorious book about being saved and the greatness of being saved. And he, he got down to, to the second verse, and man, the Lord changed his direction. And now Jude is writing to encourage us and to, and to help us to realize that we must earnestly contend for the faith of the day and age in which we live in. He goes on to say in verse 4, he said, The reason that we are to contend for the faith is for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, 
turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They're out there, folks. They're out there. And you've probably bumped into some along the way. And we have to learn to earnestly contend for the faith because of those folks. See, God says that we must stand up for the faith. He's, he's not calling us to pick up uh, our fist and start fighting, but He is uh, calling for us to stand up and proclaim the truth. Now, we don't have to defend the truth, right? We just proclaim it. We testify of it. We tell people about the truth when we when we're called to the stand. Hey, we call uh, we're called for one reason and one reason only, and that's just to tell the truth. And that's what biblical being a biblical Christian is all about. We must contend. We must teach and preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. There's some things in this Bible that are sharp. There's things in this Bible that will cut us. There's things in this Bible that will rub us the wrong way. There's things in this Bible that will tell us exactly how we are and tell us exactly uh, uh, what we need to fix it. And there's things in here that, man, we might not like at times. Then there's some good things in there. It tells us that what we used to be and where we are now. And it tells us all those good things, but we've got, to, we've got to take the whole counsel of God. Hey, from Genesis to Revelation and let God help us where He can in this book. Uh, because the most important thing in this life and in this world that we have and the most important opportunity we have is to please the Lord and be a biblical Christian while doing so. Thirdly, and I'm done, to express, being a biblical Christian is to express the true love and the heart of Christ. Now this is where it gets difficult. For us to love everybody. Amen. We just got to love everybody. And I know some of you that's hard for. Because some of you are like me. That's hard to do. It's to love everybody. A biblical Christian is... is not only concerned about pleasing Christ and contending for the faith, he's concerned with how he goes about doing those specific things in the world he lives in. Paul taught Timothy a principle this way in uh, verse 24 of 2 Timothy 2, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. Mm. That'll help you right there. You must not strive. What does that mean? What does that mean when we, we must not strive? We didn't stop there. He said, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience. That's some truth right there. Amen. And the Bible said that's how we, we're not to be fighting. We're not to be striving and fussing and, and carrying on. But the Bible says that uh, he's telling young Timothy, he said, man, you need to be gentle to all men. That crowd he, Timothy was pastoring was not a crowd that we'd even want to be gentle with. He was a young man preaching to a bunch of old men. And he's wanting him to be gentle. Because he knew those old men weren't going to be gentle with him. And what? 
he was trying to get across is, Timothy, just be gentle unto all men. Be apt to teach them and be patient with them. That word strive means warring, disputing, quarreling. So what does the Bible say about all that? Proverbs 23, it's an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Proverbs 25, 8, go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof. Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Ephesians 4, 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. Mm. That's some good preaching right there, ain't it? It's hard living. Hard living. We just read the Bible for what it says, and we just go off the commands the Bible gives us. I promise you, if we'll obey those things, we'll be pleasing unto the Lord. And the Lord wants us to, to not strive with one another, but He wants us to get along with one another and love one another. Even if they don't sit in your church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. See, the help of God is needed with our spirits. Our spirits and our attitudes not to cause someone to move away from the truth. I thought about this, Brother John, over the years that I've tried to preach and teach and just be involved in God's work. I wonder how many people that I've just finally pushed so far away that they may be in hell today. You know what? That should break our heart today to know that they may be somebody in hell just because we as saved people were not biblical in the very fact we just wanted to please God. Give them the truth of God's word. That hurts me to know that somebody may spend eternity separated. You say, wait, it was their choice. Yeah, it was their choice, but I don't want to be involved in helping them make that choice. Biblical Christian, we should strive to be that. There's nothing that I said today here that I don't think is too unreasonable for God to expect out of you and I. To be a biblical Christian. We need to ask God to help show. Help us to stand strong upon the foundation. Of the doctrines in the word of God. That he honors. And he wants us to honor him with. And show the true heart of God to a lost and dying world. You realize that the world only sees the heart of God through you and I. Think about this. If you're the only person the people around you see God, what are we showing him them? Are we showing them the true love of Christ? The truth? What it is to be a Christian? What it is to be lined up with the Bible? Are we showing them 
God help us, God help me today to do just that. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for the words of God. Thank you for these that said and listened so patiently, Lord. And our prayer is that we were able to rightly divide your word today and help those that are sitting on the sound of our voice today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, if we get one thing as we leave this building today, I pray, Heavenly Father, you would give us a greater desire to please you in our walk with you and help us to be faithful in doing so. And we'll give you thanks for all that you do. Now touch every heart that's in this building. If there's those here today that's not saved, I pray the Spirit of God would do a work in their heart and save them before it's eternally too late. Thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We love you. In Jesus' name. If you love one another, what Brother Scott said, it is hard to love people. But I found out something about loving people, something you have to be taught. And Paul wrote it like this. He said, you have no need that a man teach you for you are taught of yourselves to love people. God will teach you how to love if you'll just open your heart to him. Let him show you how to love one another. Miss Sydney, you going to get baptized this morning? You ready? Y'all go back there and start getting. We're going to baptize Miss Sydney today. I'm so thankful. I've been looking forward to this. Just to be able to, to be a part of her life. Was raised Jewish. And now she's accepted the Lord Jesus and wanting to get baptized this morning. But Miss Debbie, if you'll go back there with her. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to slip back there. Brother Terry, you come and lead them in some songs. I'm going to go back there and get ready to baptize Miss Sydney. And uh, Brother Terry's going to lead you in some songs this morning.